And that was The Smiths with this charming man from the John Peel session, which also appeared on Hat Full of Hollow. And for those excited about The Smiths, and really, frankly, you should be, Warner Music will be issuing a multi-disc deluxe edition of their 1986 album, The Queen is Dead, on vinyl CD this coming October. Yeehaw! Anyway, I'm David Eastall, and this is The C86 Show. Hello and welcome once again to another epic slice of life as I spin the wheels of steel for another action-packed show featuring the finest in indie pop from the golden decade that was the 80s. And this week we have a very special guest. It is Simon Barber from the Chesterfield. So I'll be bringing you that interview in probably four easy-to-digest little segments plus lots of um, tracks by the Chesterfields alongside another award-worthy playlist. So all I want you to do, sit back, relax, turn up your stereos and just enjoy the vibe. That is the C86 show. This is Completely Unutterly. Take it away. I am bored of the situation here Somebody told me Nothing's changed for donkey's years Oh, nothing changes Same old places 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 Disappear, that's when they lose the fear. 
There you go, pop sensation. That's the Darling Buds and um, the track called Our Lips Are Sealed. And yes, for those who are paying attention, that was originally recorded by the Go-Go's in 1981. And that's just come out this, um, probably in the last couple of weeks, on Neon Maniac's record. And um, we loved it, actually. So there you go. So um, I'm not sure how you'd get a copy, but uh, it's worth tracking down. And um, yes, there you go, Darling Buds there. And before that, we had the unmistakable sound of the Chesterfields all the way from Yeovil in Somerset with their uh, chart-topping song Completely and Utterly from 1986 and um, for those who are paying attention 86 is, um, yes, the year that the C86 cassette came out and um, also on this particular show I caught up with one of the key members of the band, Simon Barber, to find out more about life, love and poetry in the Chesterfield so I'll be bringing that interview um, throughout the show but I was just reading the press release of the Go-Go's release and they did sort of mention Sonic Youth which once covered a fantastic song by The Carpenters, which is probably one of my favourite bands of all time. But I'm not going to play you that song, but I am going to play you My Friend Gu. So there.
There's a chapel deep in a valley for traveling strangers in distress. It's nestled among the ghosts of the pines under the shadow of a precipice. When a lonesome coming figure slips and loses grip, it humbles into a Beautiful sounds of the Triffids and the track called Bury Me Deep in Love, which came from the album Calature, which was the follow-up to Born Sandy Devotional, which was one of my favourite um, ba- um, albums from the 80s. I have to say, I was a huge Triffids fan. So there you go, that's uh, fascinating facts. And before that, we had all the way from New York, Sonic Youth and the track called My Friend Goo from the album Goo. Actually, that album was also a piece, uh, it was a masterpiece, really, let's face it. Um, this is David Esau. This is the C86 Show. If you would like to contact me, we always love your messages. You can via Facebook or Twitter. Just go to at C86 Show and um, I'll be there. And uh, eager, eager to receive any anything, really. Love, friendship. Just anything. So, um, yes, like I said, this week it is the special guest of the Chesterfields because I caught up with Simon Barber from the band. So I'll be bringing that interview very soon because it goes on and on. No, it doesn't actually, but it's um, fascinating stuff. Life in an indie band. It should come with a um, health warning, really. But because we're feeling very excited about the Somerset legends, here is Ask Johnny D. Well 
Delightful. There you go. That's the Marine Girls and the track called A Different Light. And um, in a couple of weeks' time, we will be having a special on the Marine Girls because I caught up with one of the members. Actually, I've caught up with two of the members of the band. I'm basically stalking them. Um, no, I'm not. And before that, we had the Chesterfields and the track called Johnny D. And like I said, this week it is the Chesterfield special because I caught up with one of their main man men called Simon Barber to find out more about the band and all that groovy stuff. And this is the first part of the interview when we talk about the indie scene, as old people do, and uh, the importance of the Smiths. Everything starts with the Smiths, let's face it. Smiths were one of those bands that changed everything. Um for me and Davy and I, who formed the band, um, were sort of we were sort of punk rockers, and we I think we'd been we we were we played in lots of bands on the Yeovil music scene, and then I think the Smiths happened, and then in particular actually Sandy Shaw yes. did something with the Smiths That's right. made us want to put together a band that was, and we we got into Orange Juice and we got into and Davy was a big fan of the Fall. Um, and we sort of wanted to do something that was like quirky and pure and was pop again mm. after the sort because of, we were starting to get those big drum sounds and Top of the Pops were starting to be pretty terrible again. Mm. And um, I think so we just wanted to do something that was just like pop music 
Um, and we started, we had a girl singer to start off with. We didn't realize that Davy should be singing um, or mm-hmm. I should be singing. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, no, the, no, the Smiths, I, I've bought everything by the Smiths, uh, everything, 12-inch, 7-inch. <laughs> so that was the thing. And I, I also, the reason we were called the Chesterfields is because I really think they bottled it. I know it's Morris's ego, but I think they should have just used Smith as their surname. Right. Um, and I, so I wanted to come up with a name. So on, our, on the first of Chesterfields records, we used it as a surname. Right. So people didn't know that, what, who we were. So we were Davy Chesterfield, Simon Chesterfield, Dom Chesterfield, etc. Oh uh, so, yeah, so I, what we wanted to do was, and the, Ches- the word Chesterfield sort of seemed to suit us. Um, and, uh, yeah, at the time... Uh, it all happened. Yeah, yeah no, it was, yeah. you know, because I suppose it was quite interesting because obviously the production, because you kind of touched on the wonderful world that was um, Top of the Pops, which was really appalling at that stage, wasn't it? Yeah. And there was that production sound that we all grew to hate, if you were. Well, the drums, it was the same drum sound on every record, wasn't it, at yes. some point? Everyone, ev- some... everyone went for that Trevor Horn kind of production value yeah. kind of thing, and it was yeah. just like, my God. And suddenly, it, yes, every song had that Tina Turner meets, I don't know, something else, yeah. which was appalling, really. Yeah. And, and it didn't feel very soulful or anything. Well, it didn't, and it stopped being about pop songs. It stopped being about the songs. It, it started being about the production and how clever that could be or, you know, that sort of thing. And I think so, so we definitely rejected that. And we knew we were we were outside um you know it, it probably didn't mean any sort of sort of a success or anything but that's not what we were you know we just wanted to put a great little group together we didn't really expect to play outside our own yes um area i mean did it, the did idea it... of playing in bristol was huge anyway that was the first part of my interview with simon barber from the chesterfields and i'll be bringing you more of that interview and various more tracks but um next up we have the cure and um jump in someone's train There you go, a bit of Robert Smith and the Cure and um, jump in someone else's train. This is David Esau on the C86 Show, bringing you 
the finest in indie pop. And uh, this week, as I said, it's the Chesterfield special when I caught up with Simon Barber. This is the second part of the interview when I talk about the sound of the band. And this is fascinating. No, I, I don't think so. I think it was pretty much because I'm... I think Davey's guitar and my bass, um, we established quite a unique sound straight away because I can't play the bass properly. So I just write tunes on it. Right. Um, and Davey was playing these lovely sort of chords, jazzy chords and sort of uh, that sort of thing. And just somehow the sound came together just in those first rehearsals, even before we'd put in any, put in any vocals on them or before we started working with other people. Um, we had a few sessions with a friend drumming, and we just knew we had something. Yeah. Um, and what, what we thought was we, it needed the girl singer, so we did try that um, yeah. for a while. And then the girl, our, our singer, Sarah, had to I think she had to leave a recording session early for her grandmother's birthday. So Davey went in and sang What's Your Perversion on a demo. And it, we just all looked at each other and thought, this is brilliant <laughs> um, Davey has to be singing and he was you know and then you realize and I'd written a lot of the early lyrics as well yes. and then we realized that Davey's lyrics were brilliant because so that came to the fore as well because he, he was never uh, on stage he was fantastic performer very charismatic and just you couldn't stop looking at him but he was still very it never pushed himself forward he didn't have much of an ego in that respect and uh, um, but he was just just uh, my, I, you know, I, I think I was really lucky to have worked with someone who who, who had who had that really, because uh, and I'd probably use that to sort of. Uh, um, but then he probably wouldn't have got out of the oval if I, we hadn't formed a band together. So I, yes, I because with because one thing that I have noticed doing all these interviews is that especially with the, I think it's probably most bands, but definitely with a lot of the indie bands has has been this kind of the five year arc you know the the kind of yeah. the, the the life cycle of a band yeah and it is almost you know to to the sort of month that yeah. it lasts you know they get together do the you know the rehearsals get a single do john peel in in those days and probably the nme the first album comes together quite well and then the then the tricky tour and all the legality which no one has slightly thought yeah. of sorting out before no. starting and having having that conversation which is obviously fair enough because no one ever thinks probably like you that you're going to play outside your your local town in front of your 20 mates so it's a bit yeah. of a, it's suddenly like oh god we're, we're doing a tour of britain and and in yeah. some cases even going to europe or america and and things get yeah. really tricky so how did you cope with that kind of period well, I, I, I don't know if we did i think um I, 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 I mean i agree that second album is always a cobbled together album because you've been out enjoying the success of the first album and yes. the first album is your set that you've been putting together for two or three years which is really your statement yeah um and then the second album is um we were fairly lucky in that we changed guitarists and my brother joined for the second album so we did have a slight new impetus um and we worked with john rivers the producer and sort of he added quite a bit to it so i think it was successful as an album but it, it was rushed and I was, I, the, the the sleeve was rushed, and that whole thing, it just felt like rushed because we were then on the treadmill. We had management, we had an agent, we had um, people sort of wanting to get things out, and we just, um, yes. and we, you know, we we loved it. We were all caught up in it. We didn't think it was a problem, but in retrospect, I realised, and I, but I think we also, when Davey left the band, we should have had a break, yeah. and not just my brother and I did try and carry it on, but that probably was the five year. Cycle, but it's also the five-year cycle that does relate to um, fashion as well. Yeah, um, because in this country we have more of a first than any other country for finding the new and the new thing. So I think baggy was happening, and that whole thing was happening, and all the bands that we've been doing gigs like Soup Dragons and the Farm were suddenly putting the baggy beat down and having big hits. So there was like a there was a big change, and then Davy and I. On a German tour, we were in our agent's cellar, and he said, oh, "Have you heard these?" And he played, he played as both um, um, "Freak Scene" by Dinosaur Junior and a "Gigantic" by the Pixies. Right. Dave, Dave and I just looked at each other and saw, "All oh, right, things have changed." <laughs> <laughs> and it's like we both wanted to do something that was more like that. We just it felt like something had changed, which is what some one of the great things about pop music i think it's uh, yes well I, uh, I but i think outside this country um it's a little bit different you can have longevity but we could have carried on touring europe every year because they don't have that 
thirst for the new that we shared with John Peel. Yeah. Um, and in Japan, you can have a career for like probably 50 years. I could go back there now and there'd be a big crowd. Indeed. There you go. The wonderful world that was uh, John Peel and um, his amazing show. Anyway, that was the second part of my interview with Simon Barber from the Chesterfields talking about the, uh, yes, the, the longevity of a band. And um, because we're all very excited about the Chesterfields, obviously, this is Shame About the Rain. Once again, there you go. That's the Chesterfields and the track called Shame About the Rain. And that came from their 1987 album, Kettle, which came out on the Subway organisation. I hope you're making notes because, um, frankly, I find this stuff fascinating. Anyway, this is the third part of my interview with Simon from the band, um, where we talk about record labels and the Subway label. I'm always going to be thankful to Martin for asking us to be on the label because we'd, we'd never have got out of Yeovil. Yes. So... While a lot of the other Subway bands have sort of come to slag Martin off for how he went about doing things, I, I would never do that because, uh, um, no, uh, he he came to see us at a at little gig in Temple Coombe. Um, we're playing the June Brides and the Shop Assistants. It was like a magical mystery tour trip from a club in Brighton. Right. They'd come out, they'd gotten two coaches and driven around the West Country. They'd been to the Cern Giants and and Stonehenge, and they ended up at this tiny pub in the middle of nowhere for a gig organised by a friend of ours, yeah. and he managed to get us on as well. And that was when Johnny D was there as well, and he first discovered us, and, and Martin Whitehead from Subway was there, and he put us on the label straight away, and we went and recorded that EP. So for us, that was that Subway was, uh, yeah, that was it was brilliant. Yeah, well, um, it, it was certainly sort of had the same ethos as things like 53rd and 3rd and Sarah Records as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be on the same label as the Shop Assistants and the Super Dragons and the and Razor Cuts, who we loved, yeah. um, was, um, that, that was very exciting. 
I bet it was exciting. Anyway, that was the third part of my interview with Simon from the Chesterfields as we talk about the exciting world of record labels. Anyway, a few weeks ago, I caught up with one of the members of the Copto Twins, so I'll be bringing you that feature very soon as well. I know it's going to be very exciting. Um, so I thought, because I'd been listening to them over the weekend, I thought I should play at least one of their tracks today. This is Ice Blink Luck. There you go, Liz Fraser at her very best. That was a track called Ice Blink Luck, and that came from the album um, Heaven or Las Vegas that came out on the 4AD label in the late 80s, actually, in 1990, to be precise. But anyway, like I said, I caught up with one of the members of the Copto Twins very recently, so I'll be bringing you a special on that alongside lots of others which seem to be um, slightly backing up. Anyway, look, my last part of the interview that I had with Simon Barber from the band The Chesterfields, and this is um, the tricky subject of the getting back together again, mainly because their lead singer had been killed in a car crash, so there was a bit of an emotional sort of, um, yes, juggling to be done. This is the part. Um, felt a lot better than I thought. Obviously, we'd, we'd lost Davey ten years ago, so... I wasn't ever going to do the Chesterfields again because I didn't think we could. Even though Mark and I, my brother and I, had carried on the Chesterfields after he left, um, I didn't really ever want to do it without David again. So what we were doing was my current band, Design, were doing some gigs. We did, I think it was the C86 um, gig for the the Enemy and Cherry Red. Yeah. Um, So a few years ago, they said, would the Chesterfields play it? And I said... uh, not really, um, but could design come and play a set of Chesterfield songs? Um, and luckily they said yes, and they put us on first. 
because it obviously was the least authentic thing on the day, probably. Yeah. Um, um, but we got Andy Stricken from the loft and the caretaker used to come and play guitar with us. He's a like really good friend of mine. We support the same football team and everything. So he um, he came and sort of it made it authentic because he had played with the Chesterfields before. Um, um, between when we were between guitarists. In fact, he played our big gig when we played Glastonbury Festival. Um, so we did that as Design played the Chesterfields. As Design played the songs of the Chesterfields, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> and it went really well. Yes. Um, and so we did a couple more. And then the guy who, Maz Adid, who runs, um, who ran possibly New York Pop Festival, because he may have stopped doing it now. Um, he, the loft went over there, and Andy found out and played. And Andy found out that he really loved Chesterfield, so he came back and said, "Oh, you need to get in touch." They'd really like Chesterfield, so I got in touch. But he wasn't interested in design play the Chesterfield. He said, "I'm going to have to build it as the Chesterfield." So, and everyone else was fine about it except for me. And uh, so I checked. I asked Davy's brother and his mother, and I said, "Who's going to do this and that? It, how did it feel?" And it was. Uh, yeah, they were just glad. I think that I was. We were going to go out there and do some of Davy's songs because there were some songs yeah. that I never used to sing. I had to learn how to sing them, right. which was really hard when I'd written these ridiculously complicated bass lines yes. to go with his vocals, and I had to sort of. So it was quite a learning curve. But I think we, I think we gave a good account of ourselves. We certainly got a great reaction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that made me feel okay about doing it, and we we did a rehearsal where we we recorded the rehearsal. And we ended up putting it out as an EP because it just turned out really well um, with uh, with and all all this with Andy Strickland as well. So uh, yeah, and then we did a few more gigs earlier this this year in Manchester and, and Preston, and they uh, brilliant went went really well. So I think it's um, I'm not sure if I'd call it an ongoing concern, but um, <laughs> um, but certainly if we get some offers, we you know we'll next I think next year we might play a few might play a few yeah. Um, maybe festivals and some things like that if, if we're asked. I'm sure you'll be asked. And um, that's the final part of my interview with Simon Barber from the band The Chesterfields, who are literally pop perfection. So if you want to find out any more information, I do believe that most of their stuff has come out on the Cherry Red record label, who seem to be putting out lots of exciting compilations at the moment. If you want to check out anything, just go to their website. And anyway... This is David Eastall, the C86 show, just looking at the clock, and we've still got at least, um, I don't know, less than 10 minutes. If you want to contact me, we always love your messages. You can via Facebook or Twitter, just go to at C86 show, and I'll be there. But to uh, keep the party rolling, let's get a bit of Joseph Kay in.
There you go, chart band sounds. That was the psychedelic furrows and the track called Love My Way. And I do believe, I think they're playing in uh, at the UEA Norwich um, in September. So, um, yes, fill your boots. It might just change your life. Anyway, this is the end of the show, which is very sad, I know. But uh, thank you for listening. This has been David Eastall on the C86 show. If you want to go on, uh, contact me, you can on Twitter, Facebook. Just go to at C86 show. And a big thank you to Simon Barber from the... Chesterfields will give me the time for that interview and um, yes, stay tuned for next week's instalment of indie pop from the golden decade that was the 80s. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with the Sundays and the track called Can't Be Sure. (laughs) 